right, here we are again on the No Holds Bar Witchcraft Podcast. Now, I know that you, the listeners, are listening to this probably a week later, a week after the other one, but we've decided to do this one straight after we've done our other one because we did the half an hour podcast and then went into extra time for the Patreon by about an hour. Uh, and we still didn't talk about what we were supposed to be talking about because it was Dead Man's Party, as in kind of done suppers and working with the dead, that sort of thing. We didn't really talk about the practical side of things. We talked a lot about our take on working with the dead and our experiences, I suppose. And then if you were listening on the Patreon as well, then we probably went off on a massive tangent about working with yourself (laughs) from past lives and from future lives. But we didn't actually get around to talking about the physical aspects of it so the actual magical practice and rituals so this podcast is called silence i kill you which i've done a really bad impression of the jeff dunham puppet so if you don't know the reference to silence i kill you it's basically a puppet um by this guy called jeff dunham you'll have to youtube it because i can't be bothered to explain it now So the idea of the silence part is because obviously many of you may be aware that we hold dumb suppers. We're a big proponent of people and trying to encourage people to hold their own dumb suppers. We tend to find that in the West, a lot of your everyday people are completely scared of death, are scared of the dead. And... I find that the Dumb Supper is one of those rare kind of rituals that is really easy. Just as soon as you've been to one or you've explained to someone how it works, they can pretty much hold one themselves. They they aren't complicated. They're fairly simple. I think they can be worked with very organically. and it's one of those things that you, if you hold a dumb supper and invite lots of different types of people on lots of different paths, whether it would be different types of religious people, you can get Buddhists, you can get Christians, Jews, atheists, all of these people you can get around a table. And normally they would argue when it comes to magical practice, assuming they even turn up at all. But the dumb supper is one of those rare uh, rituals that I find All of these people can share something. They might not all share and believe the same thing, but it's an open enough ritual that, you know, it's universal, I think. I mean, sharing food with the dead and being silent and memorialising things, you know, you've got obviously um, uh, two-minute silence and stuff in the UK where you think about those that died during World War II two or war one a lot of people also think about people that they may have lost in recent wars such as iraq and afghanistan that kind of thing um but it's one of those things that is silent it's a silent ritual so everything that's going on is just you and your connection with the dead there's no one else involved you're not using mediums and psychics where they're telling you a load of spiel and seeing telling you what they see and sense and all that kind of thing it's very much you in the driver's seat and you opening yourself up it's one of the reasons why i like it so much so as you can tell i like the dumb supper chris hasn't managed to get a word in edgeways yet so what i think we should 
I'm just going to say, I am here. He is there. Um, what we should probably talk about is necromantic rites and working with the dead and take it from a super beginner's perspective and then maybe get on to some slightly more intermediate level stuff if we've got time. So, am I right in thinking that, like me, the first thing that you tell people to do if they've not experienced working with the dead before is to build some kind of ancestral altar or something like that? Or are you one of those people that say yeah. you need to go on a ghost hunt? <laughs> like I tell anybody to go on a ghost hunt. Um, that sounds really bad, but you know oh, what I mean. You know, go, go, um, go on one of these haunted happening 60 pounds shove you in a room full of 30 people and all listen to your stomach rumbling, shouting out, is there anyone there? Or show yourself, I dare you, or whatever else these paranormal investigation people do nowadays. You know, that's not your way of working, is it? So why don't you talk about the reasons why we normally recommend ancestral altars as the first port of call? I think for me it's a case of creating sacred space i guess you mean cast in a circle um, it, there is an aspect i don't mean <laughs> cast in a circle you know i don't mean cast in a circle what you, you um, mean that you can do magic kind of, without the need of a circle that's some advanced stuff that is i tell you liam's clearly in one of those moods guys and girls and all those in between um okay no my actual answer, Liam, without you interjecting, um, is creating sacred space. And actually, for me, kind of creating ancestral altars. One, one because I quite like uh, introducing people to temporary space. And I don't mean kind of, uh, you know, temporal. I just kind of mean as in um, creating an altar space that can kind of happen then dismantle it then re remake it happen i don't mean fixed alters so i quite like that kind of going through the process of creating that sacred space with someone and i think uh, i think for something like ancestral work is a nice way to do that um on the basis that kind of they're wanting to work with you know we touched on it last time um, contact their loved ones and whatever that that is a very safe space to start with when you're doing something well, like nowadays that nowadays it's all um, about the safe space isn't it you know so i kind of i kind of get that i kind of like the idea that, that that's a good place to start um you know it, <laughs> we had a question recently um talking about dumb suppers and stuff um on i can't remember what um which of the platforms it was i think it was one of the facebook ones um asking like i, I really want to do an altar of the dead this year um are there any kind of parameters and i quite liked that um she clearly got an idea of what she wanted to do um but wasn't wasn't sure if it was the right one to do so it was kind of like what would you do rather than kind of saying what she was going to do um and then kind of responding, oh, okay, that's kind of what I was planning. I just needed to know whether or not there was a specific table I should use. Or, you know, where people get really bogged down in the the individual 
aspects of it rather than actually what they're trying to do so i think i think create that idea of creating sacred space with ancestral work is a really nice beginner's way of working with yeah with the was dead. that on the witchcraft live um, facebook group the comment yeah, might I have think been. it was a comment. Someone brought Ancestral been. Ultras up because they watched that Ancestral Ultra video that we did. And I think that, because we did try to explain, obviously, we're doing a generic one and you've got to tailor yours to fit your purpose because it's your ultra space at the end of the day. Um, and they were just kind of asking about, I know there was someone that was asking about that. So, yeah, I think I think it's a really nice place. And it's a safe, like again, it's a safe place. It's not, a, you know, digging up grandma's um, skull and talking to her directly. Um, it's more about kind of create, you know, creating a working space that allows you to kind of tap in when you need to tap in. Um, I think a lot of people get too bogged down with that altars should somehow be permanent. Well, they're focal points at the end of the way. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, they're working spaces yeah. and portals. I gotta say, portal, not porthole, because I my accent always sounds like I'm saying a portal. So um, that's because yeah, you're. Yeah, I mean, I think with ultra spaces, the way the reason I like to recommend them is because I think unless you are particularly sensitive and unless you've built up a sensitivity, in which case normally they're already coming to us saying, well, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that. The, the people which yeah. don't hear and see things yet, and I will say yet, um, tend to want to kind of dabble in it. They're, they're too scared to kind of throw themselves in. They want something that they feel that they can, there's, there's protocol and there's kind of instructions and there's kind of like a procedure for it. And I think with a, with a ancestral altar, particularly you're dealing with mainly um, spirits of the dead that you can kind of relate to because you build it going backwards normally. You'd start with recent people that you've met in your life, whether it be great-great-grandmother, granddad, that kind of thing, someone that's died, you know, someone that you actually know. You start a, a place and put them on it and then you kind of work back. But the good thing about an altar is it's a focal point to actually focus and look at. And you, it will help to develop a certain amount of psychic ability because there will be energy going on around that. And you'll learn to pick up on that. Also, it is almost like a doorway. So things when procedures are put in place, the correct procedures, and when you're essentially establishing that common ground of communication, for example, if you're saying, OK, when I put these candles on, I'm welcoming people in at that point. People get scared of, well, if something comes along and I can't get rid of it, they get scared of that. So you can build in these kind of communication devices whereby on both sides it's understood what these signals mean, you know, and it's very much a, um, I wouldn't say a sacrifice, but it's, it's, it's respectful. It's the opposite of shouting and demanding what you want that you see a lot in paranormal investigation investigation nowadays i mean you're putting little offerings and things like that even if it's just spring water to show that actually it's not just take 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 so what would you say about moving beyond that then so beyond the altar whether it's a permanent one or a temporary one what's kind of the next step that you find people go down 
because it's difficult to say because obviously everyone's separate and everyone's different but a generic <laughs> generically what normally is the case um well um lots of people kind of move like i said you move further and further back or you know you expand that space to something permanent or a permanent place that you can go to um you know I, 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 sorry i'm still thinking about um dumb suppers i've i've still got that kind of going around in my head yeah i mean dumb um, suppers are a pretty sacred thing and if you get a bunch of practitioners together you can have some very 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 amazing experiences with a dumb supper but at the same time it is still quite yeah. a fairly simplistic um ritual but i think i think that's why i like it so much is just the fact that actually it's almost a ritual that doesn't require a practitioner yeah. it's one of those kind of it's so it's kind of the <laughs> I, I don't really want to use the word safe but you know what i mean like it's so friend like friendly arrangement um and i think that's probably why i, I think it works so well is kind of forcing someone to um, take that time out. They're so used to, you know, meals to us in kind of the 21st century are just kind of um, an almost inconvenience necessity um, sustenance, you know. So like actually forcing someone to sit and not only eat backwards, um, but in total silence. You mean eat the, eat the courses an, backwards, I, not actually... The courses backwards. <laughs> so yeah. the starter would be last and the dessert no. would be first. No. I'm hoping no one thought I was going to say, we're going to, you know, your food is given a suppository. Well, you never um, know. There might be some herbalists um, and aromatherapists that like to do those, you know, little capsules that dissolve and stick it up there maybe yeah, that's sure. what they're thinking about who knows i just like to clarify sure. you know um and then yeah so and i think that kind of forcing of adding something ritual to something so so kind of mundane i think is why mundane people get such amazing responses from it is that this that you know it's so alien to them that it forces them into a a state that allows them to receive things that they aren't used to receiving like um uh you know the, we've had people at them before that are kind of like you know i'm not very good with meditation um yet they really work well with that because there's still a structure to it and there's still um a, you know a work a working frame for them to actually get through the process I just, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I kind of just, yeah, wanted to kind of say a bit more about that. Um, I know when it comes to dumb suppers and that, if you're interested in dumb suppers, you can look them up. We're trying to work on a, a dumb supper ritual box with little booklets and things that come with it for to help people hold their own. But, I mean, do the research. We've got our YouTube video about dumb suppers on the Thoth TV youtube channel you can always join the witchcraft live facebook group i think if you're on facebook because there's details about them in there as well we hold one every year um so what i do tend to find is that working with the dead has a certain amount of stigma and 
I don't know how you feel about this way, but this is an observation. I don't know whether you'd say uh, observation of taste or an observation of aesthetic, but I do find that your stereotypical, I wouldn't even say boisterous young man, but the sort of guy, you know, he's a little bit overweight, balding with a um, heavy metal rock t-shirt on, tends to get attracted to certain types of magical practice. Normally they're the ceremonial magicians or necromancers and that some yeah, of the love and light paranormal people, investigators. Yeah, some of the love and lighty people don't tend to like to 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 broach working with the dead. And when they do they certainly don't call it necromancy, because technically speaking the definition of necromancy would be something along the lines of um working with the dead or contacting the dead to find out information normally regarding the future and stuff. So a form of divination. But in terms yeah. of certainly in the occult community and some of the magical communities, there seems to be when it surrounds working with the dead, this kind of one upmanship where they have to one up you so it's a case of well if one person's got an ancestor or the next person needs to have actual human remains and an actual skull and stuff yeah. and the other person needs to put yeah. offerings of blood and then the other person will come in the yes. third or fourth person will come in and say well i practice physical necromancy and that's where the real power is and all that it's kind of like a yeah I hate to be <laughs> crass, but is it not a bit like a dick, uh, a dick measuring contest? It feels a yeah. bit like that sometimes. And I'm wondering whether it's just me that thinks like, is that really necessary? I mean, I know we get told off for saying that tools in general are things that you should be looking to give up and really doing as much of the work yourself. So when I think of someone coming to me, I'd think, well, uh, okay, if we need to get you to start doing rituals and stuff like that, which helps you build up the ability to sense and see and interact with the other world and other things, then that's fine. But eventually we need to be building on your ability to just be able to do that. You shouldn't need your tools. You shouldn't need your circle. You shouldn't need your staff, you know. You shouldn't need this, you shouldn't yeah. need that. And I find that, I wonder whether it's because people fall in love with the tools too much or whether people just try to look back at the ancients and ancient cultures and think, well, I need to recreate exactly what they're doing. I know there's a middle ground of yeah. people will try to work a ritual that their ancestors would be proud of and would be able to understand. So if you're working with some Anglo-Saxons or something, then you might try and do something a bit more Anglo-Saxon. You're not going to do some Egyptian thing, you know. But I'm wondering if there's a bit too much of the kind of trying to go to the extremes. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I'd... A lot of it, and that's because a lot of these kind of people are also the people that use phrases like traditional witchcraft and whatever. Oh, well, we know a couple it, it of kind those, of comes down, but we like those people. It comes to, <laughs> it comes down to the... It, no, I think it comes down to the fact that it's about authenticity, isn't yeah. it? There's a, there's a, a focus on being as, as, as authentic as possible, 
whereas and therefore you know needs to be a replica of this or a handmade that um in the style of of what they would have done that kind of thing and being as as accurate about it as you know i'm using inverted commas um as possible so you know reliant on archaeological sources um and all that kind of feel when actually surely the whole point of it is that it's spirit work it's um you know working with a particular type of energy field uh, energy stream whatever you want to call it current um in that kind of yeah that current of death um you know beyond the saturnine kind of thing um that people really are, are trying to tap into and i don't think you know having a huge macabre um full of skulls is going to make you any better at it however like you say that kind of metaphorical dick waving um seems to happen a lot more in that and i think it's because they've <laughs> kind of got used to the fact that that kind of gothy um a gothy kind of half dead look um <laughs> that kind of vamp that kind of vampire uh, worship kind of situation gets all tied up in that and uh, you know necromancy is that kind it, you know from comic books and things like that focuses on kind of zombies um or kind of um you know mummies and all that kind of stuff but i mean in the kind of not in the egyptian method but in the kind of spooky halloween-esque kind of way um they're so attached to that kind of aesthetic that, oh, well, I'm dark, therefore I must do X, Y, and Z, you know. Uh, I want to be on the, you know, this kind of light and dark paradigm, dichotomy, whatever you want to call it, of, you know, oh, well, this is darker than that, and I use this, and, oh, it's more authentic because, you know, I use spit and urine and all that kind of crap that goes on. Um, again, are they just tropes that are kind of focusing on uh, you know a storytelling exercise rather than necessarily a, a magical one or is it just a case of you know that's what they feel is necessary is it a complete misunderstanding of the of the process like i, I don't know it, uh, to me i'm kind of comparing it with those the kind of people that require um psychoactive drugs in order to walk the hedge you know or ride the hedge like it's it's all kind of that is that necessary is it just what they used to do in uh, is it actually a, a, an attempt at authenticity of what was originally done or is that actually an attempt um of kind of is that actually self explore you know self discovery I'm, I'm 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 never entirely convinced because there are lots of really good practitioners that do all of this stuff and I've never felt any of it necessary in my own practice. I know we've both said like we're not particularly yeah, interested in necromancy. Well, yeah, we're going to get called a super witch yeah. now. But you know, I just there is that part of kind of I'm all for people doing things because they like doing it that way. But again, it comes down to what we were saying. I know probably in the Patreon part last time is efficiency. 
I don't see that as the most efficient way for me to get there, so I don't use it. If that's the most efficient way for somebody else to do it, then fine. Like, that's their method, that's their process. But is it necessary? I completely agree. Um, unfortunately, that's the problem, because we do tend to agree. We should probably get someone on here at some point that doesn't agree with us but we try to we try to have little spats but we tend not to fall out and disagree on things too much which is a bit of a shame really but yeah i would say that is all of the above i mean some people do that kind of work or use utilize the sort of rituals because they don't know any other way of doing it some people do know a different way of doing it but just really enjoy that practice and others are learning and are using that as a vehicle to become stronger so an example that i'd use probably is the fact that some people won't like using human remains other people do the catholic church of course uses uh, remains relics that kind of thing we use a human skull that's often seen as quite traditional witchcrafty some of the more um w word we'll just say that don't like that kind of thing and the new agey kind of people don't like that kind of thing i can say that i will use it if i feel that it's required i sometimes use our skull non every now and then but I know there's nothing that I need to use the skull for. I've gone past using it other than it being a way I like to work. However, for other people, if I just give you a basic example, I had a client who I think she might be on our case files actually on the Patreon because we put case files and stuff like that on the Patreon of cases that we've worked on and people that we've helped that kind of thing in the hopes that someone might else might get benefit from it. But there we go. Um, she said that she wasn't a psychic. She claimed that she doesn't uh, see or sense things, although she can tell when there's a dead body in the vicinity. And she also feels things. So she says she's not a psychic. She doesn't feel anything. But, but exactly, there's always that. Not a psychic. But. So I said, right, okay, I want you to try something. So I yeah. thought I'd utilize a tool at this point. So I had our non, our human skull, put her in a box didn't tell the lady um, and I gave her the box and I just said just put your hand on this box and I want you to to pull something through I want you to to feel something through and then within literally less than five minutes she said I don't know why it is but I can hear things I can hear it started off with a small voice and then there were two voices and then they were like as if someone was in the room saying things and she said this person's called this this person's called that they're telling me this they're, they're telling me that you did such and such the other day and that they're not happy about this and i was like oh my god i said do you know what's in that box and she said i don't know what it is but whatever it is it feels like there's two people in there and i opened the box up and obviously it was none um our skull and then i got her to hold the skull and i kind of explained look these are this is essentially it's almost like I like to think of skulls as vacuum cleaners. They're quite good at sucking things into them, particularly when it comes to human yeah. spirits and stuff like that. So that's why often they are used as focal points. But, I mean, that's a tool. We could have got her to the stage where she was able to contact and communicate with spirits um, 
in other ways and with other tools and not even using tools at all necessarily but I had that skull I knew that if I'd given her that and taught her how to use it she wouldn't she'd only take a little nudge to start being able to use that of course now we're at the stage where I have to say no every time you want to deal with this you're not going to be using the skull you're going to be doing it just yourself you won't be using yeah. it at all now and that's i think the stage where people don't like they they master a tool and they get success but they don't want to give it up and you could argue that why would they i mean they've got the tool there's no need you know if you've got the tarot cards you might as well use the tarot cards why would you want to give it up but i think it's because perhaps from our backgrounds and dealing with some of the stuff we've we've dealt with before we try to make practitioners stronger and stronger and stronger and the way to do that is literally yeah it's, it's about progression yeah, exactly what's the point like to me like it's well i'm good at running but i just want to run at this speed like that's fine but the whole idea of it, the reason it's called a craft is because you're supposed to get better and better at it not get to as level of mastery as as far as normal people are at and then go well that's enough now i'm going to try a different craft if that's all if that's the way you want to work that's fine but surely the idea should always be there's always a next level yeah. there's always a next level after that one i'm going to do this and then i'm going to and then I, like, I really like that at the moment and i push that and i'm going to push that like I'd, it, i guess it's different, you know. It's whatever people are comfortable with, but you know. Anyway, we're at that time we're at again. That time again. So we will probably go over and we'll talk a little bit about innovation and innovating. Yeah, and I think I've got to talk about blood. And we'll talk about um, physical necromancy as well on the Patreon. So we'll have to say goodbye to our pre-watershed listeners until another week comes. And we'll say hello to the people that can now hear us, which is on the Patreon. So. Okay, so here we go. What are your thoughts on physical necromancy? Because I've literally gone to moots and in the pub and stuff like that where you've got practitioners and they say, oh, I'm into some really serious stuff. I'm, um, yeah, I do, I do this, I do that. I work with this, I work with that. Oh, I've done all the physical necromancy. And I think, hmm, hey, hello, how are you? I don't know you. I don't know why you're yeah. open with that. But there seems to be certain bars and certain standards of what is acceptable. But then what do they class? Yeah, I mean, it used what to be, it used to be, I remember the time when if you, if you worked with human remains, it was quirky and dark witchcraft. And now everyone seems to have a human skull. And now it's kind of like, well, yeah. nowadays it's all about the physical necromancy and digging up and reanimating corpses and stuff. And it's kind of like, this gets a bit mm. ridiculous. So is there merit in that, do you think? Or do you think it's from a bygone era where we were still trying <laughs> to it... discover um, anatomy and learn about anatomy? <laughs> I just, for me, I just find that uh, that's parlor tricks for me. Like, uh, what is that actually gaining to the, to the process? Because obviously you have much more effective ways of creating egregores or thought forms of different varieties that could do way cooler things than than stand up and and do a little jig like or you know tell them about 
You know, is it because the only purpose I can possibly find for reanimating a corpse temporarily is to scare the shit out of somebody um, that doesn't believe or to convince somebody that doesn't believe that obviously they know something about them. But surely you can do that with psychic work. I don't understand why you just find a better way of a better way of um, digging deeper or um, telling them things they shouldn't possibly know. And that only those secret people would fight would know. I, I don't know. What what is the what do they say the purpose of reanimating a, cor- a corpse well, is? Well, physical necromancy is a little bit more than just the reanimation. Generally, when you're talking about physical necromancy, you're talking about dealing with actual corpses, fresh corpses, that kind of thing. And reanimation is normally one of those things that's considered the creme de la creme. So I think that it really probably comes in two varieties. One is the person's trying to prove their power and have godlike power or attain that. And the other is probably some sort of fetish thing, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No, I get what you mean. But then equally, what what does that prove about reanimating a corpse? Because all you've done is say, well, I've powered this thing that is designed to be powered by energy with energy. Like, surely... I don't, I don't get it. I'm sorry, Liam. I just don't get it. So for me, I'm a case of creating life in its essence. I, I can understand wanting to be able to do that to a certain extent. But wouldn't you just create something new rather than reanimate somebody else's creation? I just, I, I, I don't get it. Well, I don't know. I suppose some people want to master and go as far as they can with something. I think there is certainly like ghouls, not ghouls as in, um, you know, zombies, but ghouls as in people that like ghoulish kind of pursuits and macabre kind of things that, that that's just a path that they're drawn to. I can't say I've personally got much experience with physical necromancy. You'll all be delighted to know. But I do know people that do use it and have toyed with it in the past and for me i i'm yet to really see the purpose of it other than it being a tick on the box of just because the sort of people that i see doing it are the people which want that kind of well i want to go on the path less traveled or i want to do the thing that everyone else is too scared to do i don't know honestly what they would get out of it other than that or some kind of fetish thing because I do kind of get what you mean when it comes to pointlessness because I mean I'm a fairly clean person so I'd rather do something energetically and use the least amount of gory bits as possible yeah (laughs) but at the same time a lot of it can be cultural because there are cultural um, connotations and stuff and then certain people do have innate abilities that are of that kind of persuasion but then they may never have really learned to deal with them or push them so they have to resort to that because that's the only thing they know how to do to get a result maybe so yeah so I, I can kind of get the I can understand the power release of sacrifice I can kind of see the point of using them as vessels 
you know, some um, a bone, a skull particularly, is designed for housing essence. So it's it's already naturally designed to hold that kind of power. So I can, you know, to a certain extent, I can kind of understand that. The whole point, but I don't know. I I suppose I work with that streamline that 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 um um what would you call it energy stream that saturnine en energy stream in so very different ways to that that i kind of don't see the point like i don't i don't i'm not saying they probably they must be one to them um i just don't see it the same way and which is what i was kind of getting at was the same way i don't like using blood in ritual um so i very rarely uh it would have to be something oddly specific um for me to feel the need to use my own blood in something but even even using someone else's blood doesn't really feel necessary to me um again maybe that's just because i'm a super witch um and therefore i don't need it but um one, I don't have any real... It's odd. Okay, I'm going to overshare here now because you like when I do I love that. it when you overshare. This will be good. So, put it this way. So, uh, in the UK, I'm not quite sure what it's like everywhere else. But in the UK, um, I cannot give blood because I have sex with men. The men that have sex with men are not allowed to give blood unless they abstain for over 12 months. Um, and it's down to a kind of, you know, a suggestion somewhere which feels quite archaic at this point. That therefore, because men sleep with men and therefore is risky behaviour, therefore there is more risk of them having carrying thick blood diseases like HIV, etc. Um, however... Part of me feels quite secure in the fact that I cannot give blood. In the fact that I would be a little bit worried about how much of the stuff I do um, is retained in that in that fluid. And therefore, putting it into somebody else's body, I'm not entirely sure what that would do. Um, so I can get that because I'm, I'm talking about this because on that kind of reanimation of corpses and all that kind of stuff. And that, um, what kind of physical, um, uh, physical products that you would use in order to do that? So fresh corpse, all those kind of stuff. But in that kind of transfer of energy that is in bodily fluids. So you know, I don't have any issue particularly using spittle or uh, or semen or anything like that in in certain workings. Um, and I suppose there are moments where I would consider blood a, a suitable sacrifice. Um, it's not one I naturally go to. And I don't know if part of that is that, is that I worry that a transfusion <laughs> given with some of my blood might have really strange impact because of the amount of work that we do. Is that odd? Or is, no, is but that I the do thought ever crossed your mind? Because as you may, you probably are aware, but the listeners won't be aware. My sister um, runs a laboratory 
that processes blood for the uh, National Health Service here in the UK. So she not only does experimentation, clinical trials, but also deals with the actual, you know, when people take, when you get blood donated, they do all the testing and stuff. So I've asked questions in regards to that and we've hypothesized and talked about theories and stuff, me from the magical and her from the scientific background. And in terms of when you're talking about get donating blood and that kind of thing, um, when it comes to uh, gays and stuff like that, it's literally a cost thing. So it literally, it costs a ridiculous amount of money to test these batches of blood. And when you've got product that costs money to do the tests, not only are you wasting hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds of a year on blood that can't be used. You've also got the costs of actually testing. So what they find... Oh, I totally, I totally understand the reason for it, as in a sense of, I understand what I don't like is the assumption that that is like that, is the fact that it is therefore more likely to be dirty blood. That's what I have That's an issue with. That's because it's a statistic, with. and statistically it, it is. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, they will they will reevaluate um, things, but ultimately, you know, the NHS is under a lot of stress anyway. I don't know how it works abroad or in other countries and that kind of thing, but when you're talking about blood transfusions and organ transfusions, another thing we've talked about, because she obviously used to work for the, um, the laboratory that keeps and stores um, well, processes organs for organ transplants and that. Um, yeah. You will get things retained. So you'll hear a lot of stories about, you know, heart donations or certain organs being taken from one body and put in another. And those people that have the new organ are able to master abilities within, you know, when they were conscious again, all of a sudden they can draw amazingly and that kind of thing. When it comes yeah, to yeah. the difference, what you tend to find is with organs, it's more permanent and physical. And with blood, I think it's more ethereal and short. So if, for example, someone like you um, were to give blood, the other person is most likely is going to be like them being very close or for a fair amount of time so what you'd probably find is there'd be a lot more psychic um they'd become a lot more naturally psychic and able to see sense and feel things um that's been my experience when i've seen people that have had blood transfusions anyway um and then also sensing the blood of a vial of someone that you know where it comes from versus other people that kind of thing it does tend to get absorbed into the body but there does tend to be less of there's a there's a locking mechanism there so what i always thought was that what you'd get it would almost be like having a child with those two people so the person that had the blood transplant or transfusion and the person that needs the blood that having it in their body it would almost like shifting your family tree it doesn't work yeah. like that so it seems to be that there seems to be a locking mechanism there, which does make me, it, it amuses me when I see blood sorcery and stuff like that, because you can see people 
that get on quite well with blood sorcery and how they use it in terms of using that as a vessel to go into that person and then from that person to go down the family line just from the blood particularly is difficult now one of my favorite things to do um is one of the reasons why i don't have a problem i mean we've we will soon start selling little biologicals collection kits to still dna and stuff like that and various bits and pieces for your spell workings not really a serious thing more of a comic type things but i know people that do that so i figured might as well um people get worried i don't know how many clients you've had but a lot of people get worried about oh well that person stole a hair or that i leave my dna everywhere and someone's only got to take a little yeah. bit and then they can make a poppet or a voodoo doll and then they can get me that kind of thing what people don't seem to realize is your dna essentially is like if you can utilize it properly from a magical perspective it's almost like a um uh embassy it's yours and it yeah. plays by your rules now if they're gonna start introducing your stuff into their magical practice their magical working believe you me you have more power over that than they do and more than you're aware of and it's it is one of those things that a lot of people you know when they're working towards a foundation and stuff it's a big discovery of that so with say you've got some silly we'll call them the, a Wiccan, some little Wiccan that comes along and they've decided to break their rule of three or whatever and do some nasty stuff. So they're still a hair or a, a finger or something. Um, and they start trying to work on that. Well, people get worried about the physical, the fact that, oh, well, they've got that link. Well, that's a two-way link. And that link is to you and your physical body. You have more control over your physical body than anything else does on an energetic level therefore whatever they're doing to that that is your means of infiltrating that work i've turned it around i did it once quite successfully whereby someone thought they were being clever and it wasn't a beginner either it was someone that should know better to try and steal biologicals and thought they could utilize it and um of course it was like me being in the room whilst they're doing the work in because it's literally part of my body and transferring your consciousness and giving that an anchor point to that physical thing. It's very difficult for them to banish you when you're doing that because the physical thing that's keeping you in place is that thing that they're trying <laughs> to keep there. So, you know, and that's the, I think a subject for another day anyway, because <laughs> we're not talking about ancestral work so much anymore. No, I just, yeah, it's just a case of like, I, I don't think it's that far off the the, the tree. It's just, um, I'm, I was just curious because I, I don't know why it bothers me because I know theoretically it shouldn't. Uh, I know practically it shouldn't, but it's just, there's a, there's an aspect of me because I don't have that choice um, because I'm not about to abstain for 12 months in order to give blood. Um, it's one of those kind of things where I'm kind of like, well, if, if I had, if I had the option, would I, you know, that, that, that's what I mean. Like it's, it's one of those where I kind of go, the decision's kind of made for me, but if it wasn't, what would I do? I personally uh, and would I be comfortable I with like it? Needles or anything like that. So I couldn't cope with that. Uh, um, but see, it, whereas is me, it, is I, it a sense of responsibility? The fact that if you're maybe 
you're basically putting that out there. It's kind of like putting your sperm in a sperm bank or something, isn't it? It's kind of like, well, you're kind yeah. of doing it for a reason. I think the that's what it is. You're not partly responsible for whatever that happened, whatever yeah. happens to it. Maybe it's that perspective. You know what I mean? If if somebody got complete, a uh, complete total breakdown of psychosis because they'd had some blood of mine um and it had left a, left left a stain that kind of you know damaged them for even a short amount of time this it's still part of them them afterwards like obviously like you know it's different with tissues because they regenerate themselves and they they build into part of it which is hence why the organs have the longer term um reaction whereas blood's blood doesn't last particularly that long before it's completely entirely replaced you're just giving that boost in order to allow the blood to um to not wipe itself out so like you know i kind of get i get what you were saying biologically speaking i understand that i just i wonder why there's that kind of part of me that kind of goes i don't know if i would um and again i think it does come down to exactly what you said which is it's part of me as if it was sperm or or anything like that of it has a potential effect on somebody else and therefore I feel responsible. I imagine that probably is what it is. Um to the point that I'm not even great at using it for um offering. Like it's it's not something I would necessarily give. Um because I don't want to change the recipient, if that makes sense. Yeah. So last last podcast on, I think it was Dead Man's Party, wasn't it? We kind of joked and talked about you setting up an ancestral altar to yourself. Um, now, the reasons behind that, maybe you can share, because we haven't got that much time. We've got about 10 minutes. Is that because you're trying to access past lives is that because you're trying to organize your thoughts and organize things to a linear time frame to make it easier for you to get uh, calibrate to where we currently are or is it trying to undo blockages what what is that why did you kind of suggest it because I was very amused by it and even thought about oh that's a brilliant idea I don't know why I didn't ever think of it but you know what 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 are your thoughts in terms of that was it just a joke are you actually going to do it Um, no i I genuinely i've put a bit of thought into it actually i'm not entirely sure exactly how i would do it but it's it's kind of got but i've kind of already started to put together the working in order to get to it if that makes sense rather than actually how i'm going to do it putting the pieces together of how it's going to allow me to use that thought process to find out to remember how to do it um because that's the thing i think part of it is why i'm intrigued to do it is i have this feeling i've done it before um and i know how to do it but i'm not entirely sure why i do it um the main reason for it that made me think about it actually was was um, client work and particularly mentorship stuff that I was doing that kind of <laughs> almost wasn't necessarily for me to keep working with, but almost as if allowing a student to work with a previous self of mine 
if it suited their practice. Oh, which, okay, that's interesting. Which I know is probably a really strange suggestion, um, because obviously I would have to vet all this access before I'm allowed, you know, about to parcel it up. Um, but there was there was a part of that which actually sounds like a massive ego trip and super witchy beyond an ex- a, a ridiculous amount to somebody that doesn't like that. Yeah, but then we're on I, the I don't really we're think... allowed to talk about that sort of thing now. But no, that is really, kind of, really interesting. So, so that was kind of the ultimate goal, I think, in my head at the time when I started thinking about it was... <laughs> was again back to the efficiency thing i think was a case of going well i it would be quicker to use previous versions of myself than it is to actually train someone else up to the point that i needed to in order to pass them on so i think part of it was that uh was that efficiency thing where i was kind of going People talk about cloning themselves. I don't really like the idea of cloning themselves because that's multiple versions of me. Whereas actually different versions of me um, open up a whole new set of paradigms. Because I only know, you know, to clone me is um, is to just give another version of, of me in my current state. That's not necessarily useful. There's already one of me here. Um Whereas actually having other earlier versions with different paradigms each, I don't know. Does does that sound crazy, or is that actually kind of gone? Oh, maybe you need to have one too. <laughs> I don't think it sounds necessarily crazy, but I'm not a great um, I'm not a great judge of what's crazy. Let's be fair. So oh, yeah, you do spend a lot of time with me. There are a couple of things that I would say probably in regards to that is one, why would you want them to work with a past version of yourself? Because it depends on their path and how much you're willing to give away from their path. I mean, if they're wanting to discover the mysteries of a certain time frame, are you trying to get out of doing that by saying, well, there's a certain part of me that exists there. I'll just get them to deal with it because, so I don't have to revisit that. Is that a kind of thing that you're going It's Like, oh, I've been there before. I'd rather you deal with the person that's still there. I don't want to go back there sort of thing. <laughs> it's, I guess, I guess to a certain extent, I think it's more a case of um, it negates my morality issues within my current existence there we go he Um, had looser morals there are aspects of of me from previous times that would allow a student to do a whole host of things that i wouldn't i'm not comfortable doing now um and it's down to the fact i think of if i could find a better referral i would use the better referral um but i'm not sure I haven't seen them yet, and if they do exist, I've got to find them first. Um, and I suppose again, efficiency, cut out the middleman, and kind of go, okay, well, speak to this Egyptian version of me, or speak to this Celtic version of me, or you know, speak to this 
um, you know, forest that once held me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, uh, yeah. Um, Can you share with us then what it is that that person wants to do without giving too much away in terms of their identity, obviously, but... What, where is it that your morals are drawn? This is interesting. Well, I don't think we can cover that in four minutes, but, you know... Well, um, you can pretty much elaborate on something, can't you? Okay. Um, what would be the most interesting version? I suppose some of my Egyptian lives people would probably be interested in. Um, and yes, I'm, I do mean multiple times. I spent a lot of time in Egypt... It um, went on for a fair amount of time, and it was quite yeah. a, it was quite something. Lots of exciting things going on. And not all of my times in Egypt were human, so, you know, it's kind of one yeah. of those. But, um, yeah, where there's, there's still access to certain versions of that. Um, you know, I've spent some time in some various different cults that would do some very interesting things. Um, but again, that kind of goes ticking those boxes in towards that intermediate stuff um, of understanding what Egyptian cults were actually for um, and what they were actually attempting to achieve or were achieving. And it's the same throughout history. You've got the same kind of cults going on in um, in all parts of the world. But they're just the ones I know. Like, I couldn't tell you about... Well, they're also some... quite recent as well. Yeah. I know I that Egypt's considered old, and it did stretch for several thousand years, but you are talking about um, the physical remains are still there of a lot of places. They still hold a lot of power. It's literally like a dusty old warehouse whereby the lights are off. Clean the cobwebs off, and actually you'd be surprised what can switch back on again. Yeah, and I, I suppose that's part of that, I think, is part of that, where it's kind of like, well, I could take you to one of those places and open doors that I don't want to open, um, or I could allow you to go and meet previous versions of me in those spaces rather than going into them now. Um, so I don't, I don't know, there's, there's, parts, there's parts of that that I'm intrigued as to what possibilities that leaves um but yes but you know killer assassin cults um who are quite happy to oh the eye <laughs> yeah let, let's not talk about that too much but they um, won't know what you're talking about and if they do they won't yeah. mention it <laughs> so yeah so just kind of like you know Back in the days when I would have done a lot more riskier things for fun, um, yeah, I don't know if I would prefer to hand you over to someone that is still living that or try and contextualise something that I don't really want to look at. So would it be fair to make a sweeping statement and say you want to help someone make the mistakes that you made before without remaking them? Potentially. <laughs> because yeah. obviously those mistakes make part of what this ex current existence is, but 
that doesn't mean I necessarily have to learn them again. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing to ask me to learn them again. That no, to be fair, I think if if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, it's probably best that we not wake that up. But there we go. We are out of time.